I'll tell you what, Slick. It's hard for me to believe we're already in a new season. I'm still thinking about last year. All the memorable moments that took my breath away. And as an asthmatic, you know I don't joke about that. Me too, man. Top to bottom, that group was absolutely special. You should see the emails, the texts, the tweets I've been seeing. It seems like we're stacking wins this year because there is a lot of hype around this group. You're so right, Maniac. I don't want to get carried away, but people are saying that this roster could even top last year's. And it's not about the personnel. It's about the process. So come be a part of the process with us October 12th at Shea's Performing Arts Center as 43 North Finals host their year nine of their competition, giving five companies $1 million. Let's go, Buffalo. We're so bad. Welcome, everybody, to this Trainwreck Sports Podcast, where we pay the bills. Jake Micah, joined again by our my co-host here, Mike Partham, and a special guest, Devin, I should have asked before, Siobhan? Siobhan? Shivani? Close. It's a tough one. Siobhan. Siobhan. Oh, see, I always, I always, it's always the A, like, mixing up which way to go with it, but that was close. I'll give myself, like, a 70% on the pronunciation, but we've got Devin Siobhan here from 43 North, big Bills fan, and obviously saw the commercial. It's, we are, dang, it's seven days away. Well, we already, everybody will be in shades inside uh, for the 43 North finals. So do you want to, before we get started here, just talk about what we can expect to have, see and happen at Shays next week uh, going on there with, yeah. you know, with the finals? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll keep it quick. So 43 North is a startup accelerator whose main mission is to uh, bring companies to Buffalo. How we do that is through a startup competition where we give away $5 million of investments to five startups. So a million dollars to each company. Those companies will move to Buffalo. They'll hire in Buffalo, live in Buffalo, etc. So the finals event next week is the final round of that competition. And it's it's quite the spectacle. It's We, we usually sell out Chase Theater we get like a giant LED screen. Pharaoh, our local band, will be there to, to play some music. Uh, we get some like cool videos and animations. It's a, it's a fun time if you're you know a student, if you're a job seeker, or you just love live competition. It's like there's a, a spot for everybody at the show. Hell yeah! It sounds like a great a great event. Amazing time. Get down to Shays. Go get your tickets uh, on the on just on the website. Uh, go ahead, Mike. Question. Uh, can you speak to any uh, previous companies that have won the competition that uh, would be notable among uh, Buffalonians? Yeah, so um, a big local presence. One, one of our companies is ACV Auctions. Uh, they just went public a few years ago. Uh, Squares, a barbershop uh, booking and management software. So if you go to the barbershop, you most likely would have used Squire. I use Squire all the time, even before I worked with Forty North. Uh, Top Seeds, a local cracker company. That's um, um, one of our more recent, more recent winners. Uh, Twipes, one of our winners last year. Uh, those are kind of the most uh, memorable companies in the area. Sweet. Yeah, that's awesome. So get down there. Get Go to the website. You said it's just 43 at the website there for 43 North? Yeah, 43north.org. You can get your tickets. They're free. Um They'll sell out fast, uh, so I recommend if, if you're interested, go get them now. Uh, when when can you go? When can you get a free show at Shays that's not <laughs> only like going to be entertaining, but also you know building business and building you know helping businesses and yeah. business owners in the city of Buffalo and in the community? Like that's that's hitting like a lot of a lot of checking a lot of boxes for me there. So get down there, and I just want you to speak a little bit to. I'm I live in Chicago now. I've lived here for two years, but I'm from the from the area originally and just talk about like how you've seen, I mean, I hear it all the time. I obviously keep up with news and everything else, but how you've seen the city grow the last couple of years, you know, and just the excitement that like an event like this, where, you know, the businesses are, businesses booming and things are growing in the, in the city of Buffalo. Yeah, man, it's really cool. I've lived here all my life. Uh, you know, I've I went to UB and I never moved. So it's cool to see the, 
the uh, the growth that the the city has and working for an organization like Port of the North, it's it's you know that's just one aspect of it. But even something as simple as you know when I was younger, driving by and you see Seneca One Tower that's almost vacant, and then now I work mm-hmm. on the twenty fourth floor there, and it's it's painted, and there's all these companies, and there's more companies going into it, and that's just one building. You know, there's other buildings yeah. downtown where companies are moving into, hiring, and just you know, all these restaurants and everything that's opening that are popping up around the city. It's, uh, it's cool, man. It's, and, and I get to kind of show that off, uh, you know, to prospective companies that are going to move here. So it's, uh, not only do I get to enjoy Buffalo, I get to like you know, make videos that show people how much fun yeah. you can have here. And you get to sell it too. Yeah. It's, that's awesome. Yeah. Man. It's, yeah. uh, it's beautiful. What happened to keeping Buffalo a secret? You're putting on all these videos about how great we are. <laughs> Yeah, man. Um, that's my job. I'm the video and photo guy, so it's like you know I get to make everything fun and flashy with. So that's awesome. Well, man, it's gonna be it's gonna be a great event next Thursday. So please, everybody, get down to Shays. Get to the website first because, like you said, tickets will go fast. They'll sell out. It'll be packed out. It'll be a great time. But we're here to pay the bills, and that means we have to talk. Buffalo Bills and guys, what a what an episode for you to come on of it. Like I, when we, I heard yeah. about you potentially coming on last week, and I was like, okay, like this is gonna it, we could go either way. And we were talking, me and Mike were talking yeah. about it last week. Like either this is gonna be like the best week ever, or gonna be the end of the world pretty much. And we decided to go best week ever and best. What when and I'll ask start with you, Devin, and go to you, Mike. In the ranks of regular season wins of this Josh Allen era of the Bills, where would you have this like? in the tier of them. I, I think it's in a very special tier of, of it, but I wondering how you guys felt and because it was just a great experience all day, Sunday. Great. Been, it's been carrying yeah. the vibes through the week. So how did you feel uh, and after the game Sunday? It was awesome, man. I mean, I, I don't have seasons, but my buddy's got seasons. So and he's got, he's got some good seats. So I was lucky enough that he, he brought me along, but I'd, I'd rank that Allen win up there, especially Miami coming off a win like they had the other week and then you know us kind of dropping week one it's kind of like you're in limbo a little bit about the season you're like if we really need a statement here and then to kind of to win how we did in in that fashion you know going into that it was kind of right it was almost like 50 50 who's going to take it so it's just a a dominant win against a team that's just been steamrolling everybody it's just it was a beautiful day it's just it was just an awesome experience all around Oh, yeah. How about you, Mike? Hmm. You think Allen and Diggs and those guys pay attention to any bulletin board material out there? I don't know. They always say they ignore it, but you got to think about it a little bit. And by the way, it's a nice, cool evening in here in Buffalo. I always keep my windows open, closed here, but maybe I should open them up because everybody's talking about how windows are closed in Buffalo, and I just don't buy why they should be anymore. Uh, I would rank this win up there with any Chiefs regular season victory and. Okay. So far, they've only been victories over the in the regular season over the Chiefs, as Nick Wright will probably remind us. We'll get into him later, my God. But uh, I just with how hot Miami was coming in, how hyped they were coming in, how much of a track meet their offense looked like, and you know they were hype, hyping themselves, you know, beating the big bad Bills because the only way they can beat us is to throw Josh Allen into the sun or something like that. Mm-hmm. So I put this up there like a top five for Allen era all time. As far as regular season wins go, I'm right up there with you. I think the the Chiefs wins are the Chiefs wins like both kind of mesh together with me in my brain at this point. Just like nice mm-hmm. beating the Chiefs. The other game that I feel like it compared to like with just how happy I was after the result, and I don't know why, but it was really the only one that compares is beating Denver in uh, in 2020 to clinch the division. And it's not because like there was any worry about them getting the division or anything for me that was a special game just because like i had i'm out of 26 turning 27 so I'd never seen a bills division win and everything so like the day in general but just like this just felt like it was just so reaffirming like of everything that we had talked about and believed like to just see it play out and to play out like I, I thought they were gonna win but i thought it'd be close i thought it would be you know mm. and it came down to the end and it just never felt never even felt like they were out of control. Like even when it was close in the, in the second quarter and everything else. And even when Miami scored to start the second half, it just never felt like they could, they could keep up. And I don't know. It's just as much as they've been dominating like this in the regular season, the last couple of years, I still 
am grateful. It's still surreal to have those Sundays where it's just like they clobber a team that is like, you know, worthy of trying to come up for their spot. And there's like, nah, not today. It felt like a tennis match and you were waiting to see who was going to break serve. And then all of a sudden the Bills win in straight sets, like 6-3, 6-1, something to that yeah. effect. It, it played out the way some of these games tend to play out. We just saw it a few weeks ago with the, the Raiders, I believe where a team just marches down the field like a knife, hot knife through butter, gets a touchdown. We think, oh, how's this gonna game game going to end? And then all of a sudden, we just shut them down the rest of the way. Now, for the Dolphins, it took a couple of drives for us to shut them down afterward. Maybe they're just that good of an offense. Maybe uh, Sean McDermott's defense needed a couple of drives in order to see what they were up against, and then they can make their adjustments. But uh, it just goes to show you, you know, the first the week one is a liar, and the first drive is a liar sometimes. Yep. First drive is certainly a liar, um, but yeah, we uh, it was it was a great experience on Sunday. So before we let you go, Devin, I want to hear what your thoughts are about coming up for this Sunday. If you have a prediction, the Bills in London, early start Sunday, and uh, one of our one of our YouTube commenters here, Fab Three, says it's ten meters for every first down in London. So that could that could change the game plan a little bit if that's true. We'll have to check with our sources on that, see if that's there. But how are you feeling about London on on Sunday morning? I feel good, man. I mean, you know, um, I don't know what the line is, but I got, I got like Bills minus fourteen and a half. That's that's my prediction. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's six. I think it's five and a half today, actually. Five and a half. Oh. Yeah, and and you, I was just talking with my brother right before I got on this uh, podcast, and he was shocked at the five and a half line too. He thought it was disrespectful. So both of you saying that are making me like, hmm, maybe I should be low. Maybe like nine and a half, ten and a half. I could see it. Yeah, I, I could see ten. Yeah, I like the confidence. So, uh, Devin, thank you for thanks for hopping on the show with us. Uh, 43 North Finals next week at Shays, 6 p.m. Go to 43north.org to go get tickets, uh, free tickets. Get down there. Um, any Get any other plugs before you go, Devin? Hop on, hop on it. Yeah, man, 43north.org. Again, tickets are free. Um, and then you can, you can access the site through our socials or yeah, through the website. So. For sure. Go Bills. That's my only shout out. There we go. There we go. Proper, properly send off. All right. Thank you, Devin. Appreciate you. Thanks, Devin. All right, Mike. We, uh, let's keep talking about Bills, Dolphins a little bit and just kind of walk through more of just what we saw on the field with this game because you mentioned the first drives. And um, I think that I was listening, it was Ryan Rosillo and Julian Edelman earlier talking about the success of these teams with scripted first drives and like McDaniel McVay and Shanahan are basically breaking, you know, like breaking the norm of like the rate that they are able to score on these first drive, these scripted first drives. And we've talked about this last week. I think we mentioned it a little bit about McDermott. Like my theory is like, sometimes he just lets it come at him that plays really vanilla and then locks in. And then what do we see on Sunday? They have, they score, on their first drive, first time they touched the ball in the game, after being down 7 nothing, they score coming right out of halftime, and then the rest of the game is one drive, and that, that's it. And it's like they kind of meshing that with the offensive game plan, which we get is a whole other thing we need to talk about. It just feels like McDermott, with his handprint more on the offense, was able to like kind of feel the energy of the – like you said, the tennis match and the energy of the game and when to dial certain things up and when not to. And then when they wanted to put – the boa constrictor on they could and they did it and they did it masterfully but what they, was your impression they dialed up blitzes but not a lot because we talked about this coming in uh bills are just 16 percent blitzes on plays that's the second lowest in the nfl it's not that they never blitz it's that they always chose the right time to blitz it seems like a third down or a fourth down they'd send an extra guy and they made sure that two don't didn't know where it was coming from and yet this despite not having the highest blitz rate they still have the highest sack rate, 12%, and they're generating pressure 46% of the time. That's second highest in the NFL. So whatever McDermott's doing with this defense, it's highly effective. And without Von Miller, mind you. Uh, yeah. I saw the, We saw the cornerbacks uh, jamming the wide receivers, receivers at the line of scrimmage, which I always make an emphasis on, you know, when you have fast receivers, when you have a quick uh, throwing offense, uh, Tua getting the ball out in like 2.28 seconds or whatever it was before, uh, he's a quick read quarterback. He, uh, where, where's that stat? Uh, hitting his first read 80% of the time, and we got that down to like 57%. So 
whatever McDermott did, and he was doing all the things that we probably said he should do, uh, very effective after initial first drives going into both halves. Uh, the Dolphins' first two drives as a as a whole in the first quarter, 14 plays, 10 yards of play, a little over 10 yards of play, and they got two touchdowns out of it. The rest of the game, including the second half uh, opening drive coming out, 44 plays for five and a 5.7 yards of play. They only got six points out of it. Three points, a fumble, an interception, and three turnovers on downs. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know what it is about playing a vanilla defense and then making, you know, integrating your full uh, defensive strategy afterwards. I, I, I remember back to uh, all the way back to the AFC Championship game in 91 against the Raiders, where the Raiders were playing a very base defense, a 3 4 defense, but they never got out of it. And the Bills just kept cutting them up and cutting them up. McDermott gets into these base defenses and just lets you come at you and says, oh, you do that and you do that. Now we're going to do something the next drive to, you know, counter that. And how are you going to recounter that? Mm-hmm. And it doesn't seem many teams, you would think the Miami Dolphins of all teams would be able to do something and recognize when there's a change in the defense that they're uh, facing and either yeah. they couldn't or didn't do that. I think it was couldn't because I'm sure that McDaniel had some adjustments. I just think McDermott was a step ahead. I think he had the I think he, he had the adjustments for everything. And that's why, you know, we saw the little clip after the game where McDaniel whispers in here, I respect the fuck out of you. I think because he had him stifled <laughs> like for most of the day. Um another nice comment from Fab Three here. McD must have been frustrated with Frazier's defense, knowing this is capable. I think that that's mm-hmm. a very intriguing underlying storyline to this year's bills and and not really underlying it's going to be on the forefront the more attention this defense gets well when you're playing a a hot offense like the Bengals were last year and you're playing seven yards off them on a third and four play and now contrast with this where we're getting more physical at the line with these guys and taking away first reads it's it's a definite contrast i think in defensive strategy overall yeah it is it's 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 a different feel. It's a different look. So I'm, I'm in, I was really happy to see McDermott have that kind of game plan, have that kind of game and the effort against the team, but really offensively, we got to switch to too. And Josh Allen player of the week again, five times oh, yeah. against the Miami dolphins. It's just like out five out of 11 times in the regular season. He's faced Miami's one player of the week. Does FanDuel put that up? Can I bet on that next time? Like, <laughs> next Because we need to just hit that every time. I'm sure you can bet money. on player of the week every week. But yeah. now now the odds are going to like be minus 100 <laughs> every time uh, Allen faces the Dolphins. This guy has multiple passing touchdowns against the Dolphins for 12 straight games. Longest streak by a quarterback against any single opponent. He only had four incomplete passes to four passing touchdowns. As many incomplete passes as touchdowns. He's the second player ever with 300 yards passing, four touchdowns passing, one touchdown running at a perfect rating in a single game. The only other guy doing that was Aaron Rodgers. This guy against Miami is hotter than a Buffalo Pepsi cocktail. <laughs> have you tried one? I uh, have Pepsi. not as of yet. I'm a little scared of the Pepsi cocktail, but maybe they it, it, it coincided right with it. Yeah, you said it. You said it perfectly, man. The guy is the the thing that you mentioned, Aaron Rodgers. Um, it's funny that you mentioned that because I was talking with my with my dad the other day about the Bills and he that was he said Josh Allen right now just looks like souped up Aaron Rodgers. Like mm-hmm. he is doing all the Aaron Rodgers things that Rodgers would do at his peak but he can throw the ball a little further, he can run a little faster, he's a little bigger and that's what he did look like this week. Like it was everything was efficient. 21 of Four touchdowns, four incompletions, 21 of 25 to get over 300 yards. You remember how when we had to struggle for a Bills quarterback to get 300 yards? The, Who was it, length? Kyle Orton, that had the first 300-yard game? And like, was, maybe it was the, the entire – it couldn't be the entire drive. Drew Bledsoe had to have that 300 game. Bledsoe had some, but there was like a – there was a couple – like I think there was a six-year, five-year stretch without a 300-yard mm-hmm. game or something, if I'm not mistaken. And I, it was – it's now it's just – it's second nature for Allen, but that – it was just deadly there. The way Dorsey had everything cooking and the play action oh, game, yeah. the, the run game. But really the, the thing that I want to say is the biggest difference so far through these four games is that offensive line, when you protect your quarterback and when you can run the ball and get a push, especially on that interior, the difference that Torrance and McGovern have made and their the PFF grades, any of these metrics, tape, whatever you want to look at and read and go cover, whatever it is. That's the biggest difference when the quarterback has a clean pocket and when you can run the ball like three, four yards of carry even each time because James Cook has been incredibly efficient as well. 
Like we've never seen it so easy for Josh Allen. So he really can take all these layups because everything seems like it's more open. They have more options. And I feel like it starts in the trenches. This is the best line he's had mm-hmm. in a long time. Maybe have we heard Spencer Brown's name mentioned in the last three weeks or so? That's a great point. No. After really. the first week, it seemed like we were ready to extricate him out of Buffalo. Yeah. And that was going back to last year. And I can't speak to any all 22 analysis, but you know, it's like referees and quarterbacks. It, the less you hear about them, the better. Yep. A hundred percent. It's, it's been noticeable to see Allen feeling like having more time, not being, not having happy feet in the pocket, not feeling that pressure, not deciding to scramble. He's just taking everything. And I feel like a sense of confidence with your pocket it changes your world as a quarterback. It really changes your worldview and everything else that like everything just settles in. And when you have a guy like Diggs, who, like you said earlier, when you first came on, you don't think they pay attention. I think Stefan Diggs was ready to break out and have, and just remind everybody. And Caden Kohu, I'm sorry, Caden. Like that was, I felt bad for him. Not really, but he had a rough day. And I don't think Jalen Ramsey's helping them. That's the thing is everybody's like, Oh, wait till Jalen Ramsey's back. Like we've seen this happen before. With, with Jalen Ramsey and Josh Allen? Like, yeah, it's the same it. thing with Vic Fangio. Like, <laughs> Vic Fangio was supposed to be something new. Like, we haven't cut his defenses up before. Jalen Ramsey gets. Jalen Ramsey was talking trash about Josh Allen before he even got in the league, and what's happened since then? Has Jalen Ramsey ever, you know, had a halfway decent game against a Josh Allen team? No, and man, like, that's still wild to me that he just took shots at Josh Allen. Ran. I remember reading his GQ article before, yeah, before they came out, and he's like, Josh Allen, he's trash too, or something like that. And here we are. Like, how is he on? Now he's on the Dolphins. The universe works in hilarious ways. But the now hey, is. Hey, you but, want to talk about chalking trash before a game? Tyreek Hill saying that the Bills Mafia were nothing <laughs> special. Now, now to his credit, he actually, uh, I don't know if he was on like his own podcast. He, yeah. It was something I saw on Instagram. I'm sure you saw it. Uh, I'm sure you saw it. Uh, he said Bills Mafia brought their A game. He said he could barely hear, hear Tua or any of the play calls. Sometimes he couldn't even tell when the ball was snapped it was so loud because he's relying on hearing Tua or hearing the center or something like that. So he gave Bills Mafia their flowers after the game. Uh, held to only three catches for 58 yards. He had one rushing carry for 14 yards. Uh, two of those catches were on the first two drives, mind you. He has never been allowed a game of 70 receiving yards by the Bills in a regular season game. I should put the asterisks on that. There were a couple of playoff games where he gave us problems when he was with the Chiefs. But when he's with the Dolphins in the regular season, no problem. This guy is supposed to just burn everybody and leave, you know, streaks of fire like the Roadrunner behind us. And on Sunday, look more like Wiley Coyote. <laughs> I, I can't I can't add anything to that. That's perfect. Uh, I've, I've got a guy for our Fab 3 here. Bill scored 48 each of the last two times playing a Fangio mm. defense, to your point. Yeah, Vic's not Vic's, Vic's having nightmares about Josh Allen now. Like, that's what's happening. He's I wonder what Troy Aikman's going to say about Vic Fangio this week, huh? <laughs> He's the one always referencing Vic Fangio, right? Yeah. Yeah, the Fangio, Fangio tree needs to – they need to figure it out a little bit. They got some answers to to do here. All right, let's 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 talk about big picture Bills. Mm. The, they're 3-1. and one. If you look at most of the power rankings, I, I don't have the power ranking wheel in front of me of where they are everywhere, but they've basically been in the top five or top six in everybody's ranking this week. Do you have them? Like, is it, it feels like it's just the same as the last three years. Like they're got, they're, they're in the same territory with the chiefs. We'll see what happens in that game. But really, as long as this team is between 12 and five to or 11 and six to 14 and three, and they make the playoffs, that's when we're going to really care about where they are in power rankings or anywhere else among the league's elite. That's how I feel this year right now. Like they're, I know where they are. They belong in this tier. Let's just get through and get healthy and be where we're supposed to be. Yeah. With the exception of any game against the dolphins or the chiefs, I'm usually taking a very, uh, calm even keel approach to all these games no matter what the situation is because i'm just waiting for the playoffs Mm -hmm. even though we haven't won anything and it's usually teams that are constant presences in their championship games like you know your lebron james miami heat teams back in the day or whatever it's like you know call us when the nba finals start so as far as tears go yeah the bills are up there with the chiefs again the Bengals have fallen off but i i don't want to write them up i don't want to write them up just yet because yeah. it seems like it doesn't seem like the kind of injury that's gonna. It could be something that lingers. I mean, Allen had a arm injury last year that was lingering, mm-hmm. but it's not like it's, a, it's supposedly not a tear that uh, is going to require surgery or you know 
extended rehab. But yeah. The point is, I'm not. I'm expecting the Bengals to come back at some point. It's just a matter of they're running out of weeks and they're running out of games at this point because we're at the so-called quarter pole of the season. You shouldn't use that word around Tim Graham because he he doesn't like the fact that quarter pole means the last quarter of the season, not the first quarter. Let's get that out of the way. But oh, okay. uh, yeah, that little known fact that he it's a little uh, but thing that bugs him a pet peeve that bugs him <laughs> anyway uh bills and chiefs at the afc uh the ravens kind of showed that that the browns might be a little bit of a paper tiger as far as defense goes because they were playing some pretty mid to lower tier quarterbacks the last three uh yeah. three weeks or so i think the score of that game was 28 to 3 so maybe the ravens can crawl up there in the afc uh in the nfc you got your 49ers your eagles and your cowboys but we all know the Cowboys deal. They'll look like world beaters in September and throughout the regular season. And then come the playoff, maybe maybe not unlike, you know, national media criticism of the Bills can be it sometimes where we look like Super Bowl champions early on and then something happens in the playoffs that, you know, exposes us or whatever. But, uh, yeah, the Cowboys, the Eagles, and the 49ers are up there. The Eagles, they're winning games, but they, you know, something seems off about them or so everybody says. The Eagles, yeah. There's um I think it's I still don't Hertz is awesome. Don't get me wrong. I'm a big fan of Jalen Hurts and I think he's effective. They have never really had to come from behind and be in these desperate situations. He's been in literally the perfect situation for a quarterback. He has mm-hmm. an elite offensive line with Hall of Famers up and down it. He has two of the best you would anybody in the league would take Smith and Brown as their wide receivers. Uh they like they I don't know if he gets into these situations and you put him in a game where he's, you know, how many, like we just haven't seen a lot of situations with him where he's like down 10 fourth quarter at San Francisco. You know what I mean? Like in a big game where things aren't going right for them. They've had everything ahead of schedule and everything's been perfect and credit to the Eagles for that. You know what I mean? But it's still a question I have about Hertz because he's going to have to elevate them at some point, And I don't know if he can do it yet. You mentioned Dallas. We're going to find out about Dallas once and for all, I mean, not once and for all, but we'll get a big piece of information this Sunday, Sunday night, or they play, oh, yeah. uh, San play Francisco. the Niners. Big and Sunday night matchup. I'm looking at that game, and I'm like, I just for me, it's the Bills, the Chiefs, obviously, together. And I think San Francisco, like you said, with the Eagles and the Cowboys, I think San Francisco is a tier above everybody in the NFC, the way that they've looked. Mm-hmm. And to me, the big shock, most shocking thing about San Francisco is that I just thought Brock Purdy was just like a regular guy, but he kind of seems like he could be like an actually good quarterback, like not just running the system. He seems like he has instincts and everything else. And I don't know, that team is, they just look a level ahead of, of Dallas and Philly. And I think it could get ugly for, uh, for the boys in blue on Sunday night. If, I mean, God forbid we actually go to the Super Bowl, but if we did and we met the 49ers there, I fear for a matchup against Christian McCaffrey because uh, I think if there's one weakness of the of our defense, of the Bills' defense, it might be a rushing uh, defense and playing against running backs. And Christian McCaffrey 100%. is just a tier above uh, every other running back out there, I think. Uh, if the Dolphins had just stuck with running uh, – Maybe they would have, you know, been a little more effective. But once uh, the Bills started, you know, getting stops on them and started getting a couple of touchdowns ahead, yeah. they didn't feel like they could go back to that. So, a matchup with the 49ers is, I think, would be the toughest uh, out of all the NFC teams. Going, looking ahead, looking farther ahead than we've been before, of course. Yeah, that was my that was my Super Bowl pick before before the season started on that. The Chris Berman special. The Chris yeah. Berman well, special. If you go it's... all the way back to the 1980s when the 49ers and the Bills were good at the same time. There were what seven I think it was eight years in a row, seven, seven consecutive eight, yeah. Super Bowls where either the Bills or the 49ers were in it, but they never met at the same time. It's a it's a shame. And, and there were Bo- multiple times where they were both in the AFC and NFC championship games. And Boomer just kept picking it. He's like, one of these times is going to come true. So it has like it would be poetic if it did come true the next time the Bills came went to the Super Bowl that it happened. It's a it's worth mentioning that it would also be the OJ Bowl and he'd probably break out that old uh, half and half <laughs> starter sweater that if oh, you might have seen no. during the day. Uh, he broke it out I think in 1990. I remember him uh, wearing that around and then he uh, wore it again a couple of years later when they were both in the championship <laughs> games again. Uh, I'm sure he's going to probably find a way to make himself relevant again and probably gets himself a suite and probably breaks out that starter jacket. So be prepared if that happens. Oh, yeah, man. well, 
I mean, he was at the stadium apparently. My, on, yes, on I heard Sunday. that. So he's he's, a, he's around. He's, he's been at the stadium before. He's gotten either somebody bought him a suite or he bought his own suite or something like that. So it's not like he hasn't like, been that's around. The he's mystery. Just, he just hasn't been invited by the Pagulas for whatever yeah. reason. I that's the know. mystery I had. That's the mystery <laughs> I I brought I brought up when I heard about this. I was like, who? procured the suite for oj that's the more interesting mm. story not that oj was there who'd he get there with who's his who's his entourage with the buffalo bills but that's neither here nor there the bills and uh mm. san francisco 49ers yeah i think the, the bourbon special is what i would is i i thought about it earlier in the year obviously i'm putting the bills in the super bowl but i think the niners are just they're scary man you're right and that I, I don't even i wasn't even now i'm just gonna be sitting here thinking about christian mccaffrey with his 170 yards from scrimmage in the Super Bowl this year in yeah. Vegas because that is kind of terrifying. Not San Francisco, lie. top three offense, top five defense in the league, and that's either total or scoring. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that'll be a fun game on Sunday night. A couple other games I wanted to talk about. Yeah. You mentioned Baltimore, and this is a big test for Baltimore because this is a desperate Pittsburgh on the road. <laughs> Listen, I'm serious. I know Kenny Pickett stinks. Let me, let me, let me premise it with that. I know Kenny Pickett stinks. I'm sorry. They are desperate. Yes, they're desperate, but being desperate doesn't make you effective. No, I know. Trust me. Trust me. That's what my my next thing was. Kenny Pickett. I don't. I don't believe in him. This is not a Kenny Pickett thing. The only reason I would think that Baltimore slips up is because it's at Pittsburgh. Rivalry. the, The the terrible towels waving and the defense just hits Lamar like 10 times and he's just Mm. in hell. And it's like, they can win this game like 16 to 14 or something. That's the only way this happens. But this, what I'm getting at is it's more interesting to me for the Baltimore side, like Baltimore should come in here and win 31 to 10 or something and handle business. If they're a real contender, I don't know if they can do that though. I don't know if Baltimore's there. Do you think they are? I don't know that a Matt Canada coordinated offense can get 14 <laughs> points. He's too busy thumbing out tweets on his burner accounts. Yeah, it's not great. My goodness. Uh, the Pittsburgh Pittsburgh were the preseason champs. They were the preseason darlings of this league, and they're just being exposed left and right. That Jalen Warren touchdown against the Bills did infer a lot of my opinions on the Steelers, I guess, now looking back at it. Um, what about – let, let me get a prediction. Does Mike Tomlin finally have a losing season? It's looking like it. Mm. It's looking like it. He's been impressive. He can squeak out a nine and eight record, I would say, with this team. They're two and two so far. There's enough bad to mid-tiered teams in this league. It depends the on AFC. the Browns, I feel like, and the and the Bengals, because like they might just by default might be able to get those teams if there's injury issues the rest of the year and everything else. And then they just sneak their way up. I don't know. That division, I thought it was gonna be a fun division. It's not really a fun division. It's kind of just a sad division now. Yeah. Any division with Sean Watson in it's in well, that's it's the saddest division. part. That's the saddest part. Mm-hmm. Um, Lamar, I just I'm a big believer in Lamar Jackson. Always have been, and I just feel like they. I don't know. I just don't. I, I want to see it. I want to see them go out there and handle business at Pittsburgh before I'm ready to put them back in that conversation with the Bills and the Chiefs where they were uh, a couple years ago. The other game. That I want to ask your opinion for before we go to mm. our predictions for London. And this is what I want to see your reaction to. What about the Minnesota Vikings, the desperate Minnesota Vikings at home, 0 and 4, trying to get a win, <laughs> playing the Kansas City Chiefs? This was supposed to be like the big game at 4 30 this week. And mm. it was going to be like, this was supposed to be a huge Sunday. And Minnesota just decided, yeah, we don't need that. It's, mm. it's looking bad there. It's looking bad. In the words of legendary Vikings coach Dennis Green, the Vikings are who we thought they were. <laughs> they were paper tigers last year, and they're finally being exposed this year. They got their first win. Congratulations. You got the Chargers to Charger. What an accomplishment. I know. Uh, yeah, I, there, there doesn't seem to be very many uh, world beater meetings outside of the uh, Dallas and San Francisco and possibly Bills and Jags. Potentially, yeah. I, I This uh... – with the with the KC, they, they're three and a half point favorites only. I don't see how they don't handle their business in this game. Um, Minnesota last year, I think well, they were eleven and zero. I think in one score games, they're zero and three this year. 
So, <laughs> and that tells you how volatile that can be year exactly. to year. So yeah, your paper tiger theory. Speaking of paper tigers, we had a lot of pundits calling the Bills paper tigers before this season, and now they're <laughs> singing a different tune, aren't they? Yes, yes, they are, and that's. It was it was crazy last week. We were talking about it a little bit last week, like leading up to this game. It was insane to hear some of the takes about the Dolphins and the Bills. But I want to hear what you, uh, what was your opinion this week when you just heard like, how did it feel to just, or just what did you see? Anything, anything out there that made you particularly like the receipts that you saw people kept that just mm. made you smile, gave you just like a just a warm fuzzy feeling inside. Well, of course, receipts from, you know, diehard Dolphins fans who are just, you know, we're talking all the junk on Twitter, your usual suspects, you know, uh, anybody who's met Nikki Smokes in person, if that's his name, Nikki Smokes or whatever the heck, yes. uh, I've not had the pleasure of meeting him in person at a tailgate or whatever, but people uh, to a person have said that he's actually a pretty decent guy when he's not trying to troll people on Twitter. So I'll, I'll lay off him a little bit, but there were a couple of people that were just uh, blaming the refs, blaming, you know... Oh yeah. Saying it's rigged or whatever. It's the same. It's they're the week three champions every year. And it's always one thing or another. They come in after week three because they beat the bills because five or six things went wrong last year. And they put a 70 burger on the hapless uh, Broncos. And all of a sudden we're this world beer team and we're going to go through the bills. And we're going to go to the Super Bowl, And what happens? I mean, <laughs> even after the, this week, uh, there were guys, Finally coming around, Emmanuel Acho, I believe his name is. Yes. He said that the praise for Josh Allen must be as loud as the criticism. And he says that Josh Allen's mind is what's sending him apart out there. Because to speak to Josh Allen's performance, as we were talking about earlier, it's not just that he's, you know, playing within in the system. It's not that he's just being smarter. He's being strategic. He's getting his eyes to get the safeties and the linebackers going one way or the other. He's looking off his check down before he's going downfield and hitting a guy in the end zone. So Emmanuel's giving – he's turning singing a different tune now. Yes. Uh, Dan Orlovsky has always been praising the Bills for their play-action passing abilities. He says Allen's been the best player in the league bar none the last three weeks. On the other hand, Nick Wright uh, – <clears throat> let's let, – where do we start with this guy? Uh, he he went on fo- uh, first take whatever fo- – Fox Sports, uh, whatever, whatever the name of their – Yeah, first things is. first. First things first, first yeah. take, whatever. It's first first, first hot take of the day. Uh, <laughs> dropping this banner, I, I only just saw it today because I don't pay attention to him. But if, we, if we're going to talk about him, let's talk about him on here where he's not going to get engagement numbers. You know, ignore his Twitter, ignore replying, ignore liking, ignore quote yeah. tweeting. That only generates more, you know, uh, attention for him that justifies whatever they're paying him. But we can talk all the crap we want about Nick Wright on here because it doesn't it doesn't affect his bottom line. Uh, he drops a pen that says the Bills are September champions once again. The the Miami Dolphins are the ones that have been puffing their chests out as Super Bowl champions, you know, in September after week three every year. And here he is calling the Bills September champions. Now we have done traditionally well in September. We've gotten off to hot starts. Uh, twenty twenty one comes to mind. Uh, last year comes to mind. I think we came in beating the Super Bowl champion Rams. Yeah. So he, okay, he's not completely wrong, but just being so dismissive of the performance that we've been seeing of the Bills the last three weeks is just it's just clown yeah. show. He, are we he, supposed to? Are you supposed to apologize for being good at winning games? Like I don't understand. Like the, the, the Browns. Go ahead, go ahead. He has this little mountain. He calls it the Mahomes Mountain because it's Mahomes Mountain to climb, and someone's got to knock him off of it. He did have Mahomes like on a second tier next to Allen. He couldn't put Allen over Mahomes. You know who he did put on the top of the mountain? USC quarterback Caleb Williams. Okay. Yeah, yeah, he's supposed to be a great prospect, but, yeah, he's supposed to be that much better than the the best quarterbacks in the NFL. Maybe he's better than half. Maybe half of the teams, maybe 20 teams could take Caleb Williams now and be yeah. a better team. But my, my, he's just uh, – Caleb just Williams is not – yeah, he is a – he is a – he is a clown. A clown is a good way to put it. He loves to rile up uh, Bill's mafia more than anything else in his – I wonder if he had much life. to say about, you know, uh, Mahomes getting out to an early lead against the Jets and then shooting himself uh, in the I, and coming that close to losing. Where have we seen that game before? Would have been – a perfect Sunday if the Jets uh, somehow pulled off the beating the Chiefs and then we had to hear everybody, you know, 
try to make their excuses for Mahomes that they didn't make for Allen. If I was hoping he'd throw a pick on that last drive more than anything, even though Mahomes never whatever. It's it was a week. It was a week, and we made it through. And yes, the Bills are September champions, but that was what we were talking about earlier on too. Like we don't whatever. Like Dolphins rivalry game, yes, the Chiefs game gonna feel big just because it's the Chiefs and hopefully for home field and everything else. But this team needs to win in the divisional round and in the conference championship game and then the Super Bowl. That's what we need to to get to. So, but before we get there, you got to go one and zero every week, Mike. So mm-hmm. this week, they're in London as the home team at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium at nine thirty Eastern. 9.30 a.m. Eastern start on Sunday morning. So get up early. Go get your uh, – Mike, are you a Sunday Tim Hortons brunch. guy? You like Tim, Hort- Tim Hortons? Mm. Uh, I mean, I guess. Nice I mean, little... I'm not partial to Dunkin' Donuts per se. If, uh, well, no. if there's a donuts and, co- and coffee or hot chocolate or whatever to get, and Tim Hortons is around every corner, I guess. You do have – they are everywhere there. I would see when I'm home, I go to Tim Hortons all the time. But I would, if I was living at home, I would not be at Tim Hortons all the time. But I'm gonna make a nice big breakfast Sunday morning. Like this feels like a any. Do you think we should put like chicken wings in the breakfast? Like how what? How do I buffalo up a breakfast? Like <laughs> put hot sauce in the coffee. Hot I sauce, mean, coffee. That's true. That might. Oh my god! I don't even know what that. There like, are so many ways we can go with this. That's hot sauce terrifying. Whiskey? I don't know. <laughs> hot a. Hey. What is it called uh, with the, yeah, like a tequila shot with hot sauce I've had before. That sounds okay. mm-hmm. great for a 8.30. And for me, 8.30 in the morning. So it's going to be bright and early. It would be great Listen, to go. I'm but not much of a drinker, but for all you crazy maniacs either. out there, go ahead. Well, it's more entertainment for me. <laughs> I'll have Bailey's with the coffee. How about that? That sounds like the best option, honestly. But all right, we got action going on in London. The Bills are flying out tomorrow morning. And the Jags have been there since, obviously, played there last week. They played the Falcons. I don't remember what day they flew in last week. So how do you feel about – we talked about it a little bit last week, I think. But this, like, it's kind of – I don't know if it's a just a different philosophy with what we've seen from teams in the past. The Bills are trying to get in there. It's, like, as close to the game as possible. They're going to take one day, basically, to readjust their body and then get in. And it's supposedly going to help recovery afterwards so they don't have to like readjust going on to next week's game and everything else but on the other side the Jags have been there for like a week and a half and Mm -hmm. I don't know about you but I like being home I'm a homebody a little bit and if I was anywhere for a week and a half let alone overseas in London I'd probably be ready to go home and that's where I've kind of landed on like who has the bigger advantage like the Jags might have had the bigger advantage if they got there just early this week but I feel like those guys are just like in a human, very human sense, just ready to fucking get back to Florida, man. You know? Yeah. I mean, let's keep in mind first uh, that the Jags do this every year. They take a trip to London every year. There might be a few new players on the team that this is totally new for that they're visiting London for the first time. But it's not that it's not like most of these guys haven't been here before. They've seen all the sites. They've done the, you know, the Big Ben and the Red Bus tours and whatnot. So what's left for them to do? And they're they're having to stay a whole extra week to play two consecutive games there. I mean, I, I'd like to go to London. I'd like to see some sights. But after a week, you know, how much more is there to do, especially if you've been there every year? And yeah. here's an interesting little tidbit that I picked up on. I haven't seen this officially said anywhere, but I want to credit uh, Pat Duffy of uh, 96.5 WCM off uh, the Break Room Morning Show and the Let's Go Duffalo podcast, where he mentioned the Bills as the home team get to pick which have the first pick of which hotel they're staying at. The Jags were staying previously yes. at the local Marriott. You know where the Bills are staying? The same Marriott, which means the Jags have to pack their bags and up and leave and go to another hotel room. It might be something for them to do for a change, I guess. <laughs> Maybe a change of uh, hotel scenery would, you know, not make them get a cabin fever or something like that. Yeah. But that's a, that if. Maybe that's just simply uh, we want the best hotel and we don't care if the Jags are staying there or not. Or maybe it's a little bit of gamesmanship on Sean McDermott's part or whoever's choosing uh, at the Bills uh, front office. I would think I think I think it's the latter. I think that that's why they're coming in late, too, because they knew they saw the opportunity. And we're like, oh, so we could do this. And it's just let's try it out, you know, and see what see how it works. I'm I'm pretty confident going into Sunday. I, I think that I don't I think that. Allen will get hit a couple times when you like, there's going to be under some pressure. This is a good D line. They're going to be able to get to him. 
in some scenarios, but I just feel like the offense, the way it's clicking right now, I don't think the Jags can keep up with them on the, even on a yeah. good day. Like the Jags have to be on their best day offensively. If the Jags are having a good day and the Bills are having a normal day, the Bills win this game by 10 points, I think. And the thing then we saw Mahomes and the Chiefs struggle a couple weeks ago in Jacksonville. And that's why I wonder what the like what is the effect of this home field or not home field advantage and everything else? Um, because I don't know, man. Like it's it's gonna be really interesting to see what happens what happens with this start? Because I'm wondering like if the Jags start slow, do the Bills start slow? Like it's just, there's so many variables and I guess it's any football game. Like you never really know this, but with the London game, you just really, they can be so unexpected. And so I, I feel confident, but I feel like I don't know what the hell is going to happen either. Like I don't really have a good feel on the game. I don't know what's going to happen on a week to week basis. I mean, we go over all the, you know, upsets of the year every year where the Colts beat the chiefs last year. And we can go over the times that the bills have, Played an egg against teams that they should have beaten. Uh, the the Jaguars offensive and defensively, they're very mid tier, middle of the road. They're in the ten to twenty range. There, yep. they don't look like any kind of a threat, even though everybody, all the pundits were picking them to be. Uh, they had, I mean, they've been up and down literally throughout the year so far. Uh, maybe the Texans are better than we thought they were, but the, the Texans ran over the Jaguars a couple of weeks ago, and then they go out and they contain the Falcons. Uh, it's hard to get a feel for what the Jags are, are or what they're supposed to be. But I will say this, the Bills-Jaguars series, if we can take a little trip down memory lane, is full of just these odd games and these very crushing defeats. The series itself is 9-9, to very even. But when you look at the, some of the losses the Bills have had, the very first meeting was in 1996 in that wildcard game, the very first loss, playoff loss for the Bills at, uh, at Rich Stadium, then Rich Stadium. Uh, Kelly was knocked out late in the game. Uh, there was, I guess, a couple of turnovers. There was a late turnover, that, and Kelly retired after that game. So it was a very bitter loss that most of us didn't get to see. I remember uh, listening to that on the radio. It was blacked out because it was back in the day when if it was in the cell, and my God, a, a Buffalo Bills play, home playoff game not being a sell. That was the second time after the, the comeback crazy. itself that wasn't sellout, and it was blacked out. So, it, you know, a different time, I guess. Nuts. Uh, 2004 in the Drew Bledsoe era, we lost on that goal line touchdown pass from Byron Leftwich on the last play of regulation. It was a 13 to 10 loss. Yeah. My dad was at my dad was at yeah. that game in the tunnel end zone, like or I think it was, whatever I think it was that on the tunnel side where that happened. Whatever side it was on, he was on mm-hmm. the side like just watching that live. And I I remember watching that. I was at my friend's house. He went with like my friend's dad. We were there watching it together, and I'm just like, oh my, how did they, you know. I'll never forget, like, the fact that I was six years old and have a vivid memory of that game shows you how terrible mm-hmm. that ending was. And now four outs are allowed. Now you could just push him out of the, yes. the end zone, and it does, It would have been a game over. Like, that's the most annoying thing is it was the dumb – the rule made no sense to me. And actually, I, I saw – I saw a replay of that. I think his, he got his feet down in bounds. They tried to push him out, but, yeah, that was a rule at that time. Yeah, it, but, not like, it just it baffled me at the time, too. But, yeah, mm-hmm. there's – we could go, obviously, back to the E.J. Manuel game. Oh, yeah, the, London. Could, 34-31, E.J. Manuel put up a fumble six and a pick six in that game. And Shady <sighs> McCoy, on his way on a, a, a nice pass from E.J. Manuel, and Shady was weaving his way through the defense, fumbles at the five-yard line about to go into the end zone. Hey, you ever heard this guy named TJ Yeldon? He ran 115 yards on us. Maybe we should have gotten a guy like that. Maybe we could have done something with him. <laughs> Man, and listen. Then, hold and then on. Of course, this game, yeah. that game, that London game. So I was playing junior hockey during that game. I was living in Canada. And so I barely could barely watch Bill's games. Like we were traveling or playing Sunday. So it was London, Sunday morning. Obviously, I was like, let's go. Like this is, I think it was the first game I watched all all that year, like live, because I just had never hadn't had the schedule to watch it. So I'm locked in. I'm like, let's go, man. We're ready. And obviously everything's looking good. And I will never, I vividly remember, I could see the room and everything on the fumble six and just my, any goodwill I had for EJ Manuel left my body in that moment and then never returned. It just got, it just, it just never returned. So yeah, that's a bad one. But continue because there is another terrible game to go through too. Just a dull, oh, yeah. well, terrible game. Well, a dull, a dull, more dull game was. Uh, speaking of uh, things that hadn't happened for a while, a playoff game <laughs> for the first time in 17 years, and we go out and lay a 10 to three 
Dollar. Uh, I barely remember anything about that game other than did we take a lead with our first field goal or tied or I don't know what happened. Uh, yes, wait, I think so. The only thing I remember vividly from that game is that Shady McCoy's ankle was destroyed, and that's you knew that the Bills were going to have like zero offense with a hampered LaShawn McCoy that year, and it was they clearly did not have have an offense on that day. Hmm. Speaking about not having an offense and speaking of dull games and speaking of things that are just going to stick in our craw until the grave, I have two words for you, Urban Meyer. A 3-14 and 14 oh Urban Meyer coach team beat the Buffalo Bills 9-6 to a mere two seasons ago. I, I do not want to go back and watch that game. I do not want to try and figure out that game. That game is like the end of the universe. It's like you can't – we can't comprehend it. I like legitimately, we've just been talking about this for 10 minutes and that game didn't pop up in my brain because I probably just blocked it out since yes. watching it. Just like, no, no, what? What are you, Urban Meyer? What, what do you mean? He took one of those yeah. men in black mind erasers. He looked in the mirror and went, Phew. Yep, that's three hours I'll never have back in my life. See you later. Uh. Yeah. That was a uh, an experience. That yeah. So the, experience. in the history of Bills Jaguars, there have been some crushing defeats and just mind blowing performances on a on a bad way, and some dullards of games that. Uh, I mean, it's not like we lose that often to the Jags, but when we do lose to the Jags, it's, it's memorable terrible. or or it's a memory that we want to block out entirely. Well, that's a lot of Bills losses in my life too. You know, when they lose, they yeah. usually lose in spectacular fashion. So at least it's entertaining, I guess. But I'm predicting a uh, 28 to 17 Bills win. That's hmm. what I'm leaving. It doesn't sound it doesn't sound bad. I would go if the, if this defense can do what they did against Miami, and this uh, who is it? Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, we're basically worried. We're going to be worried about some Travis Etienne out of the backfield. In Etienne, Etienne, uh, yeah, yeah Etienne, and then some Calvin Ridley. Actually, Calvin Ridley's going to have a big day, I think. Uh, give me 31-10. Okay. Unless, unless the Bills are just, you know, put off by the extra five hours forward on the clock or something to that effect. Uh, unless, unless if, it's, if it goes the way it should, then it should be something to that effect. Otherwise, it might be like 17-14 Jags. That's my bizarro, you know, bad game pick of the day. Yeah. But I'll go 31-10 Bills if everything should be what it should. Yeah. And by the I, way, I hope you enjoyed your uh, Sunday 1 p.m. game because going forward, there's only two games on the docket Sunday at 1 p.m. And they're both against the Patriots, mind you. That's crazy that they're both against the Patriots because you would think that, like, if you would have told you that five years ago, you'd be like, well, every national game will be Bills-Patriots if the Bills are good. Like, the Pates and Pats are just going to be good. It's mm -hmm. crazy. I'm, I'm happy about that as person who doesn't get Bills games live to my antenna and streams on ah. Various streaming platforms. I like the the national games are are nice. Sometimes. So it's a better chance of the four o'clock games when they happen showing up on yeah. your uh, on the regional you know map, or maybe if you just watch Red Zone, they'll pop up more often because there's only yeah. like three or four games. Yeah, I, I'm uh, I'm a big five oh six sports fan now for that reason. Mm -hmm. So I can I wait every week and I'm like, come on, Bills, just just sneak right in. like this week. If they were this, I was that's why I was mad about that they were in London this week. Because the Bears played a night, so they could have that could have been a game that was like an, a CBS game here in Chicago or whatever. But the Bills, good thing about the Bills being good is they're on a lot when they're yeah. like they were on. I didn't get to watch. So I had the weirdest experience watching Sunday because I was at a baptism. I didn't get to watch this game live. Mm. I was watching on my Action Network app, not during the baptism. I did. I respect the play, place of worship, but in between and after watching and following and then watch the game later that night replay everything else but speaking um, of uh chicago and speaking of the bears as we were winding down here i want to get in some uh breaking news uh just before yes, we went out of the I air to finish with that uh, bears hall of fame linebacker dick buckus uh passes away in his sleep at the age of 80 uh he played for them uh, from 1965 to 73 uh two-time defensive player of the year he was on all decade teams for the 1960s and 70s. He was on the NFL's 100th anniversary team. His number 51's retired, eight time Pro Bowler, and the accolades go on and on. You're a guy who's been in Chicago for a while. Dick Buckus has to be ingrained in the culture of uh, the mm -hmm. Chicago Bears, not unlike uh, Mike Singletary and uh, Mike Ditka. And what can you say about what you know about him or there's how Chicago reveres him? There's a statue outside of Soldier Field. I mean, you walk, mm -hmm. you walk in the stadium, and there's a Dick Buckus statue right there. Like, it's the, he is a legend. Um, 
the city, yeah, there's, I'm sure there's going to be an incredible outpouring tomorrow, especially after the news at Soldier Field and everything else. That is a, that is an icon, like Bobby Hole, Dick Buckus, like, you know, mm-hmm. like that's the kind of Michael Jordan, like that's the kind of uh, sports legend you would say that he is there with, along with Ed Hallis Hall and everything else, definitely revered. So yeah, sad day. Uh, he passed sleep, passed uh, peacefully in his sleep last night. Wish him and his family all the best. Uh, well wishes. But yeah, the city will be, I'm sure there will be a lot of wonderful tributes tomorrow coming from the city of Chicago for D- Dick Butkus. And they have a game here in a couple hours, man. That's crazy. Like that, that's just, um, I feel like the the Bears are going to go out and go play hard for their gut for Dick Butkus and, uh, make their fans proud tonight because it's going to, you know what, that's Dick, that's what he would have wanted, you know, if, for them to go heal and do whatever they need to do to go mm. for the bears to go win a game. That's what he would want. You know, when you think about tough guy linebackers in the history of the NFL, oh there's a very small roll call. You think of guys like Jack Lambert and Lawrence Terrell, but Dick Butkus, just that name and that image is so <laughs> iconic. It's, you know, the John Facenda days, you know, where he would be narrating uh, games like that in the highlights and Dick Butkus would be the guy that, you know, people and uh, all the offenses they fear to go against. They fear to be tackled by, they want to sure. go out of their way to avoid him. Yeah. Well, rest in peace to Dick Butkus. Thank you for that, uh, for bringing that up there at the end and uh, wish them all the best um, and this family, and, all the best. And, uh, and let's and also ma- make sure afterlife. to mention which wish all the best for Trey white, because that's a, I mean, if, if there was any yeah. kind of feric victory to be had on Sunday, I mean, that was it. Uh, he, he has been back for the last quarter of last season going into the playoffs and now the first quarter of this season. So, I mean, we didn't quite make it to uh, uh, Thanksgiving when he had previously been hurt. But for him and Von Miller to be, you know, basically tag teaming in and out with these injuries of theirs, it's just – and did not – for as good as the Bills' defense has played, they've never been at full strength – for more than maybe a few odd plays. It's just, it's frustrating. But uh, for those of you who want to uh, pay tribute to Trey White, uh, Takeaway Trey is no longer on Twitter, by the way. It's something I'd noticed recently. So if you want to, you know, give him a little, try to give him a little boost, because he said he was in a pretty dark place rehabbing from his ACL injury last year. Uh, Go to his charity, uh, Reaching for Excellence. A lot of people have been uh, throwing $27 donations that way, and they've, uh, given Bill's Mafia a shout out for uh, all that they've done so far in that. It's great. Uh, great way to end it. Yeah. Go donate um, and go. Yeah. Go wish well wishes to Trey. He is the heart and soul of this team, man. And it's going to be, I'm sure the city and the team again, going to rally around him and his injury. And if there's a year to go win a Super Bowl and go win it for Trey white and have him on the sideline and do it. Mm-hmm. Hey, I mean, I don't need it. I don't need a lot of excuses to win a Super Bowl, but that feels like a, something they can rally around as well and something they could do for Trey. It's just so sad to see him. Uh, just, I mean, you, that just, it was so sad to see that video and everything else, but hopefully he can come back and still be effective. Listen, Aaron Rodgers said he's coming back in four months. If Aaron Rodgers thinks he can come back in four months. Well, Aaron Rodgers says a lot of things hey, that are listen questionable though, at listen best. <laughs> they, he's got rap sheet doing his, like uh, his PR for him saying that he's going to be able to do it and everything. So, Trey, call up Aaron. See what it, hear him out. Trey, you're you're ten years younger. You're in the prime of your career. He could come back in three. We could see Trey divisional round. That's what I'm thinking. As long as Vaughn doesn't say that Trey's coming back in four months, then I'll at least find it believable. <laughs> oh, Vaughn, Vaughn's saying that next week. He's like, I, I will be surprised to see Trey week eighteen. Well, it's nice to hear that Vaughn's traveling with the team this week, so there's at least yes. a at least a possibility of him starting to. But remember how they uh, slow played Trey last year when he was eligible to come off uh, the uh, IR or whatever it was, and for three weeks they uh, didn't activate him, I believe. And even yeah. after they did activate him, they bit they had him sort of on a pitch count. So I, I expect something do. like that with Vaughn. I wonder what happens because Rousseau, the Rousseau injury might make them want to activate Vaughn because he hasn't practiced mm. at all this week. They could be being safe. He could do limited tomorrow, and it's a walkthrough anyways. So, and then just put him out there Sunday. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens with Vaughn. I'd rather I just wait. Obviously, he was going to travel, but I'd wait till Sunday night. Let him let him come back at home and see what you do without it. Um, but we'll see. See, uh, go Bills. Go Bills. <laughs> that's the part. That's all we got.